Revelation chapter 3. Let's stand together, verse number 7. Revelation chapter number 3 and verse number 7. I've been reading these two chapters the whole time I've been gone. Been studying, been looking, praying. I didn't read them to prepare for a message, but it's obvious that because of that, the Lord has dealt with me about a message. And I pray that it'll help us this morning. In Revelation chapter number 2 and Revelation chapter number 3, Jesus, he's speaking. And what he's doing is, is he is telling us, he's telling the world, he's telling us about seven different churches. Now these seven churches was not the only churches. But what Jesus did was he took these seven churches, these was real churches in real places. And he used them to be an example and to teach us something today. I believe the scripture that we're reading is timeless scriptures. I don't believe you just read this and say, well, that was for then. This is for all churches. I believe as much as I'm standing here. But what I want to do is I want to read about this one church. There's something different about this church. And we'll look at the scripture and see what's different about it. Revelation 3 and verse uh, number 7 is where we're going to start. Do the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These sayings saith he that is holy and he that is true, he that hath the key of David, and he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do I. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Unto the churches. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and for your mercy. And Lord, I stand no doubt where I cannot stand alone. I cannot preach this message without you, Lord. I cannot even get my thoughts together without you. There is not one word within my being that will help one person unless the Spirit of God so moves and blesses. Lord, I am desperate. I need you. Lord, I cannot do this without you. And I pray that you would fill me with your Spirit. Speak to us, Lord. Let us see what kind of church that we need to be. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing and thank you for being here. And it's good to be saved. 
these seven churches that Jesus is teaching on. I want to give you an introduction here, and I, I hope and please try to pay attention because this introduction lays the groundwork for the church that we're going to be studying this morning. I studied the first church, and I'll make this quick so we don't get caught up in a lot of verses and get your mind all jumbled up. But I studied the first church. That first church is the church of Ephesus. You'll find it in chapter number 2 and verse number 1. But in chapter 2, verse 2, Jesus said this to that church, I know thy works. And the reason that he can say, I know thy works, is because in verse number 1, it says that Jesus walketh in the midst, listen now, of the seven golden candlesticks. Revelation chapter number 1 and verse number 20 says, the seven golden candlesticks are the seven churches. So what you need to understand is, is Jesus Christ is walking in the midst of the church and he knows everything that is going on in the church. To this church of Ephesus in, in chapter 2 and verse 4, he says, you had something that was wrong. He said, you've done a lot of great things, but there's one thing that you're doing wrong. He said, you have left your first love. In other words, you're doing everything and you're doing everything right, but you don't love Jesus the way that you used to love Jesus. And you're doing things out of habit now instead of doing what you're doing because you love the Lord. It'd be very simple if I asked this question, but you're going to have to be honest with yourself. Are you here this morning because you feel obligated to be here? Or do you feel like it might be the right thing to do? Or simply, are you here this morning because you simply just love Jesus? Amen? And that's what he's saying is what's going wrong with this first church. Then there's a church of Samaritan. It's in chapter 2, verse 8. And then in verse 9, he says, I know your works. This church of Samaria was a suffering church. This church was a persecuted church, and he speaks of that. Then there's a third church, the church of Pergamos, in chapter 2, verse 12. And in verse 13, he tells, tells them, he said, I know your works. But this church had some problems. Their doctrine was wrong. He said, you have the doctrine of Balaam, which we'll get into that at a later date. And he said, you have the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And what is that doctrine? And he said, because he hated those things. What that is, is this, this third church, instead of going by the word of God, they basically was doing things because of people's opinions. It was this man's opinion or this person's opinion or we'll do it because this is the way we think we should do it. Well, he said, you don't do it because of opinions. If you're going to do it, do it because of what the scriptures say. Can I hear an amen on that? Then we get to the third, fourth church, the church of, of Tarathire. And he says in chapter 2, 18 and 19, he says, I know your works. But Jesus spends more time talking to this church than any other seven. And you'll find in verses 22 through 25 that this is a compromising church. You'll find that this church is corrupt church. You'll find in this church is a divided church. That's the church of Tithar. And then the fifth church is the church of Sardis that he speaks to. It, it begins in chapter number 3 and verse number 1. And he says, I know your works. But then he says this about this church. He said, that church is a dead church. There's no life. There's no spirit. He said, that church is dead. Then we get to the sixth church that I'm going to preach on this morning. And what's interesting about this church of Philadelphia, he says in verse number eight, he says, I know thy works. 
But there's something different about the church we're going to look at this morning than the other seven. There's no rebuke to this church. There's no correction to this church. The only thing that Jesus has to say about this church is good things. He says not one negative thing to the church of Philadelphia. I find that interesting. Then the seventh church is the church of Laodicea. He says in verse 15, I know your works. But then in verse 16, he says something negative about that church. He said, this church is neither hot nor cold. He said, this church is lukewarm. So what I'm getting at is the first church you can read, he said, repent. The second church, he did not tell them to repent, but that was a persecuted church. The third church, repent. The fourth church, I give you space to repent and you repented not. The fifth church, he says, repent. This church, he does not say repent. And then the seventh church, he says, repent. So here's what I'm wanting to preach on this morning. So listen, after the introduction, what is it about this church in Philadelphia that Jesus could find nothing wrong? He did not tell them to repent. He did not correct them in any area of their doctrine. He did not correct them in anything that they was doing in that church. When I have studied these seven churches, this church of Philadelphia really jumped out at me. It really got my attention. Because as the pastor of this church, Pleasant Hill Missionary Baptist Church, my heart's desire is that when the Lord looks down and sees me, well, the Holy Spirit lives in you if you're saved. If you're saved, say amen. amen. He lives in me and he lives in you. So as God moves through this church, as God moves while the choir was singing, while the special was sung, while you was walking in and taking your seats, Lord, what is it that we can do as a church that when you move in our midst, that you will have no rebuke, that you will have no correction, and that everything that we do at this church, you will be pleased. I'm interested in that. Is, is anyone else interested in that? I'm interested in that. Notice something. Notice something. The word Philadelphia means love as brethren. That's what it means. It means love as brethren. But I want you to notice how Christ addresses this church in verse number 7. He said, these things saith he that is, what's the first word? Holy. Are you with me? Look at your Bibles. Are you with me? Verse number seven. These, says, these things saith he that is holy. Can I remind you, Jesus Christ is holy. Amen? He's holy. And when you study the word holy, it means separate from sin. And when you study the word holy, it means perfection. If you read Isaiah 6, 3, the angel calls out and he says it three times. Are you with me if you know it? Holy, holy, holy. In Revelation 4, 8, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Let me tell you how holy Jesus is. Even in Mark chapter number 1, verse number 24, there's an unclean spirit. And when the unclean spirit calls out, you know what he calls Jesus? He calls him the Holy One of God. 
He's holy, amen? The holy one. But when you study the word holy, it always has the impact of judgment. But what is so interesting is, is Jesus addresses this church, and the first word that he uses of himself is the word holy, but against this church there is no judgment. That's interesting. The next word that Jesus says, he says, he that is holy and he that is true. That word true there means truthful. Jesus Christ is not a fraud. Jesus Christ is truly the very Son of God. Amen. So Jesus says, not only am I holy, he says, I am also true. I am the very Son of God. And then he says, I have the key of David. The key of David. Also in Revelation 1.18, he says, I have the keys of hell and of death. So what does these keys represent? Number one, they represent authority. But number two, they represent control. Now listen to who is speaking to this church. And listen to who is speaking to our church. His name is Jesus Christ through the Word of God. Here's who He is. He's holy. He's true. He has all authority. And He has all control. And what you and I need to realize is, is He is looking at our church. He's looking. He's watching. He's paying attention. He's interested in what is going on. Not only is he interested in what's going on in my life, he's also interested in what's going on in your life. And if he's interested in my life and your life, he's interested in all of our lives, and he's interested in what's going on in his church. This church is not my church. This church is not your church. This church is not the deacon's church. And this church is not Dr. So-and-so's church. This church belongs to one person and one person only. This church belongs to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. He's interested in what's going on in this church. So what's going on in this church that there is no rebuke? What's going on in this church that he has nothing to criticize them over? Notice the next thing, Christ opens the door. It says in verse 7 that he opens and no man shuts and he shuts and no man opens. But when he gets to verse number 8 and he's dealing with his church, he says he has opened a door and no man can shut it. He does not mention again the shut doors. He just mentions to this church that he has now opened the door to the church. The door's wide open. And when the Lord opens the door, They can't another person shut the door. Are you with me? He's opened the door, and no man can shut it. The open doors are privilege. The open doors are honor to him. The open doors give you access. But also an open door gives you an escape. An open door is an amazing thing. And when you begin to think about the open door that Jesus Christ has opened up to this church, you and I need to pray every single day, Lord, open the door for our church. Open the door so that we may go through. Open the door so that you may use us. Open the door to the areas in the world that we need to go into as a church. Amen? He said he has opened the door to this church, and he said there cannot one person close this door. It's access. But here's the problem, Pleasant Hill. 
If the Lord is opening doors to the church, then we just can't stand here and look at the door. Wow, there's an open door. There's an opportunity. There's a direction. There's a ministry. There's a need. There's the greatest opportunity I've seen. Those open doors will lead us into heavenly places. Amen? But what the problem is, not with this church, and I pray it's not with our church. When the Lord opens the door to the church, we must go through the door. And wherever it is that God leads this church, if God is leading, we must follow. Because if he is leading and the door is open, you can guarantee it. He will lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So this church had open doors. God's opened a lot of doors for Pleasant Hill. And we must continue to go through them doors. We cannot just stand there and stare at the door. If you with me? You with me? You with the word of God. Amen. So we see there's an open door. He said, they can't no one shut it. But verse number eight is very interesting. He said, I know thy works. I did this in the early service and I just felt prompted that I need to do it again. On the count of three, say, Jesus knows me. One, two, three. Jesus knows me. Do you believe that? Amen. He does. He knows me. And if he knows me, and if he knows you, and he knows us. <laughs> and if he knows me, Brother Ru, and he knows you, then he knows his church. And he knows everything that is going on. Amen? So if he knows us, look what he says about this church. He says, I know thy works. Behold, I've set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a, here it is, he says, a little strength. And he says, thou hast kept my word. And has not denied my name. This is what he knew. This is what he knows about this church. When I began to study this and it said little strength, it kind of throwed me for a minute. Little strength. But when I began to study those words, little strength, listen to what it means. It means ability. And it means abundance. It means the worker of miracles. So here is what he is saying about this church. He is saying this church has ability, but not truckloads of ability. This church has abundance, but not tractor and trailer loads of abundance. He said this church has seen miracles. He said, but this church hadn't seen an abundance of miracles. And when I begin to think about that, then he says this. He said, but this church has kept my word and this church has not denied my name. So let me preach this to you just for a minute the way the Lord dealt with me about it. I don't believe this morning that the Lord is interested in all of us being able to sing like Miss Donna. Because we all can't. I don't believe the Lord is interested in how much abundance that we can bring in. Because that's not what made this church such a great church. I don't believe the Lord is, is interested in everybody in here trying to perform some spiritual miracle. Because he said they had strength, but they had little strength. But I'm going to tell you what he said that they had. You ready? 
He said they believed and trusted the Word of God and they did not deny His name. Amen. Amen? I'm telling you, sometimes we get too caught up in the things that Jesus ain't caught up in. What you and I need to do is, is we need to realize that this thing is about Jesus' word and this thing is all about Jesus. We had a tent meeting over there and Jesus done a work. Amen? It was all about Jesus. We've had souls in the balance for three weeks and Jesus done a work here. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is saving souls. Jesus is bringing people in. It ain't got nothing to do with our ability and what we have. It's all about who Jesus is this morning. You with me? And if we get caught up in our strength, And if we get caught up in our abilities, and if we get caught up in our abundance, we are a church that is going backwards and not forward. You hear me? That's what he says he liked about this church. He had no rebuke for this church. He had no complaint about this church. Only thing that he had to say about this church was good things. Keep the word of God and do not deny his name. And don't get caught up in ability and don't get caught up in miracles. Just trust Jesus and Jesus alone. He looked at this church and he was pleased with their faithfulness. The Word of God and don't deny Him. The Word of God and don't deny Him. No matter what goes on in your workplace, don't deny Jesus. No matter what goes on in the world, don't deny Jesus. No matter what happens in your home, don't deny Jesus. And when you have an opportunity, you tell people about Him. Because it's all about Him this morning. Amen? Amen. You ain't bored, are you? I'm interested in this church, man. What is it? What is it about this church that Jesus had no criticism? What is it about this church that Jesus had no complaints? And what is it about this church that He did not rebuke them not one time? They loved the Word, and they loved Him. You love the Lord today? Do you love His Word? Have you had a chance to speak his name and you didn't? If you have a chance to speak his name, don't deny it. You with me? So, this is the way my mind works. If the Bible says they kept his word, that must mean that there was times that they had opportunities and chances that they wasn't going to keep his word. And if it says they did not deny his name, it must mean that there was times that this church had times that they could have denied his name. Right? They have not denied my name. So evidently, somewhere along in this church's history, there was times that they could have denied his name, but they did not. They did not forsake his word, Brother Zach, and they did not deny his name. If we're going to be a church that the Lord is pleased, and if we are going to be a church that his blessings are falling on and there's no rebuke, we must glorify his name. We must must preach his word, his word, not my opinion and not your opinion. We must preach his word, and we cannot deny his name. 
Now, I believe that verse number nine is leading into the verse that shows us that this church had been through some persecution because of what it says in the next verse. He says, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan. Now, any time that Jesus is speaking of Satan, especially the synagogue of Satan, then you and I must automatically, our radars must go up and realize that that's opposition. Behold, I will make them of a synagogue of Satan which say, which say they are Jews. Now this word Jews here is more than just a race of people. This word Jew here is more of an inward thing than more of an outward thing. He said, they are the synagogue saints which say they are Jews and are not, but they do lie. He said, behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. There's a lot of people that's going to say one thing, but live another way. There's a lot of people even in the churches all around the world who say they are Christians, but they do not live like they are Christians. And he says what is taking place here are there, there are people who outwardly they say one thing, but inwardly they belong to the synagogue of Satan. In other words, there will be a day. Listen close. That Jesus said, every knee shall and every tongue shall confess what? Jesus is Lord. He said, you know what, church? He said, I know there's been some folks that has come against you. I know there's had to have been some hard times. I know that they are people who say one thing and live another way. But he said, one day, one day, one day, they will bow. They will bow. And they will have to confess. You know what? Jesus loved them people. <laughs> Jesus loved them people. Now, in my mind, I think it's hard for me to believe that some people don't love this church. But there's probably some people don't love this church. In my mind, it's hard for me to believe that some people don't, don't love Dwayne. But there's probably some people don't love you, Dwayne. But they will never be able to say, if the church is what the church is supposed to be, they will never be able to say, that the Lord didn't love his church. Some of you have a hard time admitting this, and you probably wouldn't even say it, but it'd help you if you'd say it to yourself. The Lord loves you. Amen? The Lord loves you. And, and sometimes it's good just to remind yourself, you know what? The Lord loves me. The Lord loves me so much that he died for me. Amen? The Lord loves me so much that he convicted me. The Lord loves me so much that he saved me. The Lord loves me so much that he allows me to preach his word. The Lord loves us. The Lord loves us. The Lord loves us. And the Lord loves you. And no matter what the wickedness in the world is doing, and no matter what those who say one thing but live another thing, one day they will confess. The Lord loves them. The Lord loves them. Are you with me? Yeah. All right. Stay with me now. <laughs> uh oh. 
It's quiet in here. I hope it's because you're listening. See, this is not about an outward work. It's about an inward work. And when the inward work happens, even the persecutors will worship with you one day. But notice what it says in verse number 10 and 11. We see Christ's keeping of the church. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. When we begin to think about this hour of temptation, that is not just going to come upon this church, it says it comes upon the whole world. There's only one hour of temptation that Jesus could be speaking of from what I can study. It's the tribulation period at the end of time. You know what he says? He says, I'll keep you from that. I'll keep you from that. I believe things could get hard. I believe things can get really hard. I believe they could be another world war. I do. I believe they might be coming a day where we need to save some beans and rice. I do. I believe gas could get hard to get. I believe things in our world could get really hard. But I also believe this. I believe before the Antichrist arrives, before the mark of the beast even appears, I believe the church will be in the presence of a holy and a righteous God. I don't believe we're an exempt from persecution because those who live godly shall suffer persecution. But I do believe that when that hour comes, when God's wrath falls on this world, I believe His church will be with Him in heaven. I believe that this morning. Do you? I do. I believe that. And He told them right here. He told this church. Look what He says now to this church. He says... Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Then Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. I want to ask you a question. Are you still with me? I want to ask you a question. Behold, I come quickly. Is that a word of judgment or is that a word of hope? A word of judgment or a word of hope? I'm going to show you these same words, and they was words of judgment. But then I'm going to look at this verse again, and we're going to realize that these words are words of hope. All right? Look at chapter number 2 and verse number 5 at the Bible. Look at the Bible with me. Chapter number 2 and verse number 5. These words are words of judgment. Listen to what he says. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. When Jesus said he's coming quickly here, those are words of judgment. You with me? Look at chapter 2 and verse number 16. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Verse number 16, I will come to thee quickly. Those are words of judgment. But in chapter number 3 and verse number 11, behold, I come quickly. Those are words of hope. Those are words of hope. 
In Revelation 22, 20, surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. If I stand up here this morning, I say to you, Jesus is coming quick. Does those words bring judgment into your soul? Or when I say to you, Jesus is coming quickly, do they bring hope in your soul? I can testify as Revelation 22 testifies. Even so, Lord Jesus, come on. Amen. Come quickly. Come get me today. I'm ready to go. The question is, are you ready to go? If today was the hour, if today was the day, and he comes back today, is he coming back to judge you or is he coming back to take you home? I'm going home. I'm going home. Amen. I'm going home. And I cannot wait. I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of good stuff here. Man, man, my wife got to experience a lot of things. But I'm telling you, I cannot wait till I get to see him face to face. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Are you with me? Come on, Lord. Come get us and take us home. Don't let anyone and don't let anything rob you of the blessings of the Lord. Don't let what someone says to you rob you of your joy today. Don't let a situation in your life rob you of the victory that Jesus Christ has given you through salvation. Don't Listen, child of God, if you ain't heard nothing else I've said, don't let something that happens at your work Don't let something that happens in your home. And whatever you do, don't let something happen in this world that robs you of the blessings that God has put in your life. Don't let nobody take that crown. Don't let nobody take that rejoicing. Don't let no one rob you of your peace. Don't let one comment get you so down that you don't feel like you can make it through that day. Don't let it happen. You with me? God's been good to you, Brother Dean. He's blessed you beyond measure. And I have not seen and ear ain't even heard what we're yet going to see and hear one day. Don't let the world rob you of the blessings of God. Second John 8, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we, that we receive a full reward. Amen. Verse number 12, and I'll be closing. Miss Gina, if you'll come. Look what it says. Him that overcometh. Who's an overcomer? But he that believeth that Jesus Christ is the very Son of God. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God. And the name of the city of my God. Which is New Jerusalem. Which coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. What is all that saying? What is this about the pillar and and the name and the Jerusalem and the name? What does all that mean? Listen close. A pillar represents permanence. A pillar represents stability. A pillar means unshakable. And this place is a place that we will not go out of. We shall go no more out. And he said, I will write upon him the name of my God and the city of my God. You know what that means? Listen, 
It means ownership. And it means possession. Ownership and possession. Please hear this. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, say amen. amen. Then He is your Heavenly Father. Then He is your Heavenly Father. You belong to Him. Amen. amen. He's yours and you're His. Now my mama's sitting over here and I'm going to say this with all respect. And I, and I do not mean this to be funny, nor do I mean it to slight my mother in any way. But my mother told me that I was born on October the 17th, 1967. And my mother named me Keith, you ready? Eugene Watkins. I love my name, Mama. Even the Eugene, I love it. And from the time I was born till I'm 56 years old, my mother has always told me that. And I take her as her word. I'm a Watkins. I was born on October the 17th. I lived over on Cub Road. And I'm going to take her as her word. <laughs> And all I can do is hope that everything she told me is the truth. I'm going to take her at her word. But you know who I belong to this morning? <laughs> you know who I belong to this morning? You say, hey, yeah, that, hey, that's my boy up there. That's my boy up there. Mom, I don't mean this in any disrespect. I am your boy. But I have a heavenly father. <laughs> hey, man, are you with me? But I have a heavenly father. That I know when I was 19 years old, in an altar, I bowed on my face and asked him to be my Savior and my Lord. And you know what? Now I belong to him. He is my God. He is my Savior. And he is my Father. I belong to him. And this place is not my home. And this place is not your home. We are just passing through. And one day we'll see him face to face. <laughs> and I cannot wait for that day. <laughs>